Hi folks, this is Jack Spierko with another edition of Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, the things that we can all do to live a better life. If times get tough, or even if they don't. Coming to you once again from Arlington, Texas, today with episode 572 of the Survival Podcast. Today kind of a special show. We're going to talk about the economy, economics, what's going on out there. I'm doing this show for a reason, a big reason. Um, I am seeing more fear and more bullshit, honestly, out in the alternative media space about inflation and the death of the dollar and everything else right now than I have at any time in in the past. Do I think everything's sunshine and roses? No, you're going to find out today. I don't think everything's sunshine and roses. Do I think there's real problems and we need to be prepared for them? Absolutely. That's part of why I do the show every day. Do I think that tomorrow morning everything's going to become worthless and you better get rid of your cash now and buy gold? Hurry up, do it from G. Gordon Liddy. No, because that's stupid and don't act that way. And We're going to try to bring some rational thought to an irrational world today with economics and finance. Uh I, I, I'm just I'm just kind of fed up with it, and I wanted you guys to go out and get some information for me to comment on, and you did a great job of that. Uh, this was put out on Facebook, and uh, I did it Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and uh, you guys were great with your submissions, so we're going to take not all of them, because there were tons of them, but a few of them today, we're going to pick them apart, we're going to look at the economy, and we're going to realize that um, Rome's burning, but the sky's not falling. That's the best way that I could put it. All right, before we do that, though, let's talk. Uh, let's uh, take care of our sponsor. Sponsor of the day, number one, Backyard Food produ Production. Um, you know, I just had Marjorie on yesterday. What more can I say about that? She's great. She's awesome. And she's really refined with using an engineer's mind how to grow your own food in your own backyard and provide yourself most of what you need. And you can take her methods and you can adapt them to anything from a small farm to a backyard. So if you do not have the Backyard uh, Food Production DVD yet, I suggest you get a copy. It would make a great Christmas gift. You could probably still get it in time for Christmas. Next up, Safe Castle Royal. Safe Castle Royal is a really great sponsor. Been with us for almost two years now. Um, Vic just told me he's going to be signing back up to, to renew his contract at the end of the year um, and plans on being here for a long time because he loves the audience, he loves what we do, and he believes in what we do. So much so that he supports the Members Brigade by uh, giving away his discount membership for free to all of you guys who are MSB members. He sells that on the open market for $29, and people buy it every day. That's a really big contribution beyond just being a sponsor. Um, they also have everything you could possibly need for your prepping uh, needs. If you can think of it, you can probably get it from Vic. Anything from long-term storage food to, you know, the other side of his business is he builds some of the best hardened shelters on the planet. Uh, things like storm shelters, bomb shelters, you name it. If you want it, they can build it. Check out Safe Castle. Uh, next up, I want to remind you guys, follow us on Facebook and Twitter. You know, the show we're doing today all comes from submissions off Facebook. That's just one example of sometimes I do things with the guys on Twitter and Facebook that I don't really talk about on the show or put on the blog. It's just... Uh, It's an extra line of communications, and it's a good way to stay in touch with us. Uh, last but not least, consider joining the Member Support Brigade. Do that. You get exclusive content available only to members. You get a bunch of free e-books. You get discounts uh, to, uh, to 20, about 25 vendors now. Uh, you get 20 videos that are available nowhere else other than the Member Support Brigade. And uh, you'll be supporting the show at 20 cents an episode. So when you get off the air, if you think, hey, man, that was worth two dimes, consider joining the MSB. All right, with that, let's go ahead and uh, get into the main topic of today's show. Again, I asked listeners on Facebook uh, to, to get uh, with me and send me emails about the economy. And uh, I wanted mostly news, like stories, uh, things in the New York Times or on Zero Hedge and things like that. And I got a lot of it. I also got a lot of people asking me questions about that were more like your typical Monday show. And most of those I just either pushed into that basket or said that's not what I wanted and I'm not going to answer them. Uh, or, you know, most of them I didn't just push to the side. I just pushed them into the, to the general queue and we'll see if they come up. But the one question that, that came up in multiple forms over and over and over again. Um, so here I have uh, uh, Daryl asking it and there's many versions of this. 
I have some pre-64 coins stockpiled. I'm wondering if I should cash in on silver now, convert to additional food, guns, and more. Uh, maybe some Yoder's bacon. I'm also at 100% increase over purchase price. And I should swear at you about that bacon. It's like crack cocaine in a can. I'm out of it right now. All right, Daryl. Um, here's the thing. I, it, it, this, it, the same question is being asked about gold. And the question is either I'm holding gold and silver that I bought a long time ago and I'm way up. Or I'm looking at buying gold and silver, but it seems like it's really high. Uh, I have another email from someone that says, hey, you know, people say that gold's at an all-time high, but it's not really as high as it was in the 70s. If we look at adjusted inflation for the 70s, it was actually higher then. So is this really a bubble since it's not higher than it was last time? Well, the thing about that is, like, Let's look at 19, 1970s when it was at its all-time inflation-adjusted high. It was in a bubble then. It crashed like a rock on the other side of it. Um, here's my honest answer with you guys, as honest as I can be about gold and silver right now. I don't know. And I don't trust either side that's telling you they do know. I always have some skepticism when anybody says they know something like this because generally they're full of crap because it's impossible to know. Right now, I have an even healthier dose of skepticism because of the reasoning that people on both sides have. The people saying we have nowhere to go except continually up are betting on, at this point, a total breakdown. They really are. When you read through all of their crap and technical analysis and get to it, what they're saying is, yeah, it could go up a little bit more, and it probably will, and it's probably pretty steady and stable, but for it to really take off... We have to have the whole Eurozone fall apart. People lose confidence in the dollar. Uh, we get our treasury bonds knocked down to like a C rating or something like that. Interest rates go through the roof. And here's what I don't think people understand. I really don't think people get this. When you have true hyperinflation, true, like, not Weimar Germany where you're just waiting for it to end and hoping you have something worth something at the end to convert to, but 1970s style inflation, eventually all... All investments suck. I mean, that's what it really comes down to, is it starts to get to the point where the only thing that really matters is can you provide what you need. All of a sudden, you know, gold will start to, to come down, and even in an inflationary economy. At some point, it reaches a point where you can't sell it. Nobody wants to buy it. What are they going to buy it with? There's even a point at which gold, the price looks good. I mean, let's go, let's go crazy here. Let's go like runaway inflation. Just run, it just, it's going up 10% a day or worse. It is Weimar. So, okay, well now I've got gold. So I've hedged against that. Great. And my gold is worth $10,000 an ounce. But no one wants to sell the gold. And how do I exchange the gold? I mean, see, there's always these people today in America, folks. This is what I'm trying to get out to you on this. We have been conditioned to think like checkers players. One move to one move. Maybe two moves ahead, at most. The people running the economy, and the people at the elite banking layer, and the people at the mega corporation layer, these guys are playing three-dimensional chess, while we screw around playing the checkerboard. And then, the people that, that are kind of in between here, that want to sell to you, and sell to you on fear, or sell to you on hope, either side of it, come down to your checkers level and say, well, if the dollar falls by gold, but they don't tell you, well, what happens after that? So, what is my analysis? Let's cut to the chase. What's, what, what are my recommendations on gold and silver right now? Very moderate buy. Definite hold. If I'm going to talk like, you know, if I'm going to talk like an investment advisor, that's what I would have to say. I am not selling any of my metal right now. I'm not buying a lot, but I'm continuing to buy a little bit. Back when silver was down sub-20, right, and gold was down in the $800 and $900 range, I was converting a lot of cash to metal. Today, I am going to buy, you know, one or two a month uh, of silver coins. I'm not buying any gold right now. But here's the other side. I have gold. I have silver. So, I might be in a different viewpoint on this. If I had none, I might be much stronger on a buy recommendation. Now, let's look at this for the one person. I, uh, if I sell this now, I could double my money. Uh, there's a case to be made for taking profits in any commodity. 
And, and here's the problem with gold and silver. This is why I let off the show with it today. People behave irrationally with gold and silver. If most people, if they buy a stock, Joe Blow Inc. at $10 a share, and they buy $10,000 worth of that, that, that stock, and it goes and doubles in price, and it's now worth $20,000. They would execute a sell order like that. Let's take those profits off the table. Let's free that, that up. Let's get out of that risk. And let's take the profits and put the profits somewhere. And then let's use the $10,000 to find another good investment. But if gold doubles or silver doubles, then there's this irrational sticking point about dumping it. Now, I'm not saying to dump it. I'm just saying you do have to understand something about gold and silver. They are not unique. They are not special. And everybody that keeps giving you this line, this is the biggest bullshit line you'll ever hear. Gold is money, and everything else isn't. It's full of shit, or they have been brainwashed to the point of believing it. Gold is a commodity. It has historically been used as a currency. It has a lot of intrinsic value historically. And humanity has come to an agreement going on thousands of years that it has value. But it is only that agreement that makes it have value. And that value fluctuates. So again, moderate buy on silver, light moderate buy on gold right now. I just think that right now, if you have excess cash, you are best off holding cash. I really do. For the time being, there are so many ways, as Mike Gazer puts it, to get your legs broke right now. You go into stocks, that could tumble down tomorrow and get your legs broke. You could go into gold, you, you either have to diversify it or hold some cash. Here's the big thing I want you to get out of today. Everybody's worried about this rapid runaway inflation. Oh God, it's going to be like Weimar. You know, all of these things. The people that went through runaway inflation will tell you, they didn't try to get rid of their, their money during the inflationary period. Money became so much more important to them. I'm talking about modern inflation models. Uh, I can't remember the guy's name, but the guy that went through it in Argentina that has a blog about it. It's been on a few podcasts. You guys have asked me to bring him on. I'll see what I can do. But I remember reading his blog. Hey, when inflation was going crazy, money was more important than ever. There is a case to have cash. We'll talk more about that with some of the other things as we go forward. Let's take your next email and go on to kind of a different subject. I kind of went on a tirade here, but I just don't want you guys, I just don't want you guys scared into making decisions. I want you to make logical, logical, rational decisions, especially about gold and silver, because they're the one place that for some reason people go off the freaking deep end. There, again, there's a place for taking profits. There's a place for taking a portion of profits. Let's say you say to me, well, Jack, I, I put $10,000 in silver or $1,000 in silver. Either way, and now it's doubled. I don't know what to, and you're really conflicted. I don't know whether to hold it. I don't know whether to sell it. I don't know what to do. Sell half of it. Break up the eggs. Put them in different baskets. I mean... All these people that are saying the United States should go on a 100% gold standard, 100% silver standard, let me ask you this question. I want you to think very, especially if you're resisting what I'm saying right now, I want you to think very, very deeply about this question. Can you show me one person in the world with a net worth greater than $5 million, which is wealthy, very wealthy for us, but not really, really elite wealthy. That doesn't even get you to some of the, some of the tea party, the tea parties, some of the, some of their little uh, shindig parties. That a lot of these guys go to, right? You're kind of, you know, you're a guy that lives in a really nice house, and they still consider you middle class if they're even getting close to the elite layer. But five million dollars and up, do you know one person worth five million dollars or more that has 100% of their assets in any one place? And can you find one? Could you find one that has 100% of their assets in any two commodities or three? I mean, likely they're going to have real estate holdings, they're going to have bonds, they're going to have stocks, they're going to have cash, they're going to have precious metals, and they're probably going to have some other things instead of investments that we just won't go into right now. But they're not going to diversify $5 million by going into five mutual funds in five different sectors, because that's retarded, and that's what we at the consumer level do. But they're also not going to take all of that $5 million and put it in gold and silver. Well, if they won't, why should you? And if they don't, why would we want to put our country into a position 
where we bet the farm, so to speak, on one or two commodities. Just some thoughts. All right, so the next thing we got here. I've got a USA Today article here uh, by John Wagoner. This is another one. I got this from quite a few people. The one I pulled it from is named Justin, but I mean, a lot of folks sent me this article. And uh, it's called, Worried About Inflation? Consider These Investments. And uh, I won't read the whole article to you. I'm just going to give you the investments recommended to hedge against inflation. And I'm, gonna, I'm not going to tell you anything about my opinions on them until I give you time to you know think a little bit about them. Uh, so I want you to form your own opinion of what these investments mean uh, when it comes to, uh, to, to inflation and dealing with inflation. Uh, recommendation number one, dividend-paying stocks. Most companies would welcome a chance to raise prices. Uh, when they can, dividend-paying companies will be able to increase their dividends. All right. Gold. Investors often go for gold when they lose faith in paper currency. But it's no panacea. Gold lost value steadily through the 80s and 90s while inflation marched on. If you buy now, you'll be buying close to an all-time high. All right. Tips. Tips are Treasury Inflation Protected Securities, or TIPS, increase the value along with the Consumer Price Index. Like all bonds, TIPS give you a regular interest payment, but the government adds to the bonds the principal according to changes in the CPI. That's the Consumer Price Index. Your interest payments are then calculated based on an increased amount. As a bonus, TIPS returns are based on CPI All, all Items Index, which includes energy. Remember, our real inflation does not actually include energy anymore, but TIPS do include energy in Uh, their calculation. So basically, you're buying a bond with tips that has a specified interest rate, which could be very low or nothing or negative. I'll tell you about that in a second. And then, as you hold the bond through to maturity, the interest rate goes up with inflation. If inflation and the CPI with energy adjusted in is 3%, they pay 3% instead of 1.5% like a base uh, treasury. All right? Uh, and then real estate. If you own a house, you'd probably welcome a whiff of inflation. Real estate tends to do well when there is at least a modest rate of inflation. If you want to add to your real estate holdings, consider real estate investment trusts, which invest in commercial real estate. Two real estate trust trusts to consider, and this is his recommendation, not mine, Cohen Steers Realty and Vanguard REIT Index EFT. Um, okay, so real estate to hedge against inflation. Tips to hedge against inflation, gold, and dividend-playing stocks. How'd our guy do? Um, hopefully now you have some of your own viewpoints. Dividend-paying stocks. I completely agree in the initial um, ramp-up of inflation because it's part of my false recovery theory. It's what I've been telling you for two and a half, almost three years now. We're going into the third year here um, this summer. I've been saying the same thing from the beginning. I said the same thing before the crash came. The crash will come, everything will look miserable, they'll start printing money, they'll pump it up, eventually they'll get what they want, inflation. When they get inflation, initially it doesn't look bad, it looks good. I mean, everybody's trying to make this happen right now. When they do, companies are bringing products in at one point for this, the raw materials and cost of labor, and they're spitting them out on the back side of that where time works for them. They're buying low and selling high because of natural market forces, especially in initial recovery. The companies are sitting on massive amounts of inventory and cash right now, and when the market opens up on the other side, they're using yesterday's expense to sell to today's cost. So this is going to increase profits and make things look really good. The problem is that I think that we've, we've mortgaged the country too far, And as a result, we're going to come down on the other side of this thing in a lot of pain, and the second crash will be worse than the first one. By the way, we're not over the hill of fake recovery yet. I keep getting credit from you guys. You were right. Look at the fake recovery. It's going to, everybody's saying it's going to crash. I'm not done yet. I'm telling you, over 12,000 on the Dow, maybe 12,500, maybe higher. Maybe, maybe when it catches fire, it goes longer than I'm telling you. I could be wrong about the duration. It could be a one-year, look at the Holy Grail is returned. It could be a five-year run. I don't know. That's why you need to like make plays like dividend-playing stocks with some portion, not all, of your money. 
And you need to buy the dividend-paying stocks that sell to people where the stock is performing well today and did fairly well during the drop. Those are the stocks you're looking for or are paying very high dividends comparative to the cost of the share. Okay, Gold. Again, gold to me is insurance. It's a hedge. It's a long-term purchase. If you're buying gold because you expect everything to collapse tomorrow and then you think you're going to be rich... Again, I think there's this this misgiving. I, I have this friend, nice guy named Neil, not the Neil from my old partnership, another Neil, who who's told me several times on the phone, when this all crashes, I'm just going to take a few silver bars and go buy my dream house. And I, I'm just like, you know, it just it, it doesn't work that way. Um, so gold and silver, long-term hedges. Let's, real quick before I go on this list, gold and silver in complete total shit hit the fan. I'm talking lights out, everything's down, bad news, Patriots to collapse, that kind of thing. What's gold and silver worth initially? Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. When it's between eating or starving to death, beans are worth more than gold. As that society starts to re recompile itself, put itself back together, then there becomes trade, and when there's trade and barter, gold and silver have value. Gold and silver only have value as long as trade is present. And and that's the reality. So in a, in a rebuilding, they're insurance. For long-term inflation, they're a good hedge. If you go back 50 years, you would have bought gold. If you could have, it was illegal at the time, but if you could have, you would have bought silver. You, you definitely have hedged against inflation over a 50-year run. There's a lot of ways you could have made more money with your money. So they're, they're a hedge, an insurance policy, a store of value for a portion of your investments. Tips I'm going to skip for right now. Um, real estate. Real estate, I, I'm really worried about real estate right now because I think we have another like 5 million to 8 million foreclosures expected in the next two years. 5 to 8 million in the next two years. So I'm just thinking that if you really want to like put some money into real estate, wait another couple of years. Even with inflation, even with the beginning of a recovery, I think you're going to get some great buying opportunities still in real estate. Real estate, to me, your best investment is where you live. And you don't need to buy the McMansion and the Trini area and all that. You don't need to worry about its value in cash at all, really. You need to build your home into a homestead and make your home provide for you and buy far less than you can afford. And once you get that cost absorbed and paid for and all of that property paid off, now you can expand it and you can make it what you want it to be. Let's let's drop back here real quick now to this thing called tips. Explain kind of what tips were because there's a deeper story here about inflation and it's why... I think inflation is coming. And I think everybody knows that inflation is coming. I think the Fed knows that inflation is coming. The Treasury knows that inflation is coming. And investors know that inflation is coming. This is also in USA Today in their money finance, personal finance section. And uh, it says, a first, tips sell for a negative yield as investors fear inflation. Let me read this, this to you. This is important. And the deeper message here is big. Investors are so worried about renewed inflation for the first time ever they paid for a sub-zero yield on tips. The government on Monday auctioned $10 billion of four-and-a-half-year Treasury inflation-projected securities, uh, better known as tips, at a yield of negative 0.55%, the first time tips ever sold for a negative yield. Tips pay a modest fixed interest rate, but the government adjusts the principal in tips to track the change in the consumer price index, so investors' returns are compensated for inflation. Investors pushed up the price of the tips auction Monday to $105.50 for every $100 of face value, resulting in a negative 0.55% yield. If inflation stayed at zero over the next five years, then the fixed Interest payments currently a half percent wouldn't be enough, a negative half percent wouldn't be enough to repay the purchase price, resulting in a negative yield. So let's just put this in complete perspective because I know there's people that are confused right now. All right, this is an investment that I can buy. That if the consumer price index is two percent for the year, it pays it pays me two percent 
plus whatever the base rate was. So if it was a 1% bond, um, I would have earned effectively, what did I say, 2.5% for inflation, earned 3.5% instead of 1%. All right? That's how it works. But it doesn't just, it doesn't really work that way. The way it really works is that investors go buy the bonds in auction. Okay? They go out and they just buy the bonds. And then you and I that buy $1,000 or $10,000 worth, we can buy them in a non-competitive status. But they'll sell them to us to whatever the, whatever the most recent auction set them to. So if you go to buy a four and a half year tips bond right now, you're gonna pay what the auction, uh, auction people paid. And what they did is they, so, you know, you're an investor and you have a million dollars. And basically the treasury department says to you, how much will you give us for a $100 face value tips bond. And the investors this time said, I'll give you $105.50 for a $100 bond. Now remember what the bond really is. The bond is, it's worth $100 at maturity. So if I gave the treasury $95 for the bond and it had a $100 face value, it's a 5% total yield. Not 5% a year, 5% total yield by the time the bond reaches maturity. So if I bought it for a year, a one-year bond for $95, $100 face value, I would get 5% for a year. Good luck with that right now. If I would have bought it for, for five years at, for $95, it's effectively a 5% yield over five years or 1% a year. See how it's very, very simple. With the tips, there's a kicker, like a bonus, like a commission. If inflation is X, we add that to the yield. And because of that, the people buying the most recent large quantity of these tips bonds were willing to start in the hole. It's like having a football game and it's my Pittsburgh Steelers playing the worst team in the, in football today probably, the Detroit Lions. And I want to bet with you, and you're a Lions fan. I don't know why, but you are. And I'm a Steelers fan. And you say, look, man, I love my team, but I know, Jack, that they're going to lose. And I say, I'll tell you what, I'll spot you seven points. And you go, what? Well, you know, the Steelers haven't been putting a lot of points on the board right now. They're struggling defensively. Calvin Johnson's doing pretty good for the Lions. You know what? Maybe they can hold them to seven points. And maybe you take the bet now. Because I've given you a handicap. The investors are willingly, the treasury doesn't set the price of the bond. The buyer does. The people with billions of dollars. In fact, it was $10 billion. Investors took $10 billion and bought at a guaranteed loss. Unless there's inflation. That tells us something. Now, I want to talk to you about tips because some of you guys are going, how do I get in on this? You can buy them directly from treasurydirect.gov. And you don't have to go to an auction, and you can buy them in values as little as $100. And you can buy them at, you don't get four-and-a-half-year ones either, like all these guys did. I wonder about that four-and-a-half. That's a weird number. If you're buying them direct and you're just a small guy, you can buy them five, ten, and thirty years. All right? Um, here is the insurance policy. You, you will get back the face value no matter what. So what happens if we get deflation with tips? We get we have we lose ten percent of, of of deflation over five years, and you're on the five year bond. You bought a hundred dollar bond, you get a hundred bucks, right? If you pay a hundred and five dollars for it, well, you still get a hundred bucks. But you get the point. It's guaranteed at the face value as long as the whole country doesn't collapse and it doesn't fall apart. Now, I'm not really recommending bonds here. I just want to bring this together for you. There's a treasury security that allows you to buy it. And gain a kicker based on the in, the inflation rate. And investors are so convinced right now that inflation is coming, they were willing to go into the hole at a half percent, right, to buy the bonds. They went a half percent, point five five percent in the hole, took a negative yield because they're betting on inflation. They may or may not be right, but it is something for you to consider. Now, we just talked a lot about bonds. We're going to talk about them more because I've got a story here on CNBC called Moody's, and they cut the U.S. rating on, on tax package. And they're talking about the bond rating. 
Bonds have traditionally been, well, they don't pay that great, but they're guaranteed, and the United States government has always paid its debts. And it's never missed a payment on its debt, ever. And anybody that's ever tried to cash in a T-bill has been able to do so. So they're safe. And they're rated, of course, AAA by Moody's, one of the rating agencies. Well, here's what Moody says. Moody's warned Monday they could move closer, uh, a step closer to cutting U.S. AAA rating if President Obama's tax on unemployment benefits package become law. The plan agreed to by President Obama and Republican leaders last week could push up debt levels, increasing the likelihood of a negative output, a negative outlook of United States rating in the coming two years, the rating agency said. A negative outlook, if adopted, would make rating cut more likely over the following 12 to 18 months. For the United States, a loss of a AAA rating, reducing the appeal of U.S. Treasuries, which currently rank among the world's safest investments. From a credit perspective, the negative effects on government finance are likely to outweigh the positive effects of higher economic growth, Moody's analyst Stephen Hess said in a report. Let's, let's cut to the chase and get to the point with this. Here's what they're saying. You know what? You're spending too much money, and you don't have enough income, and you're borrowing like crazy, so we're going to cut your credit rating. Let me ask you guys, what do you think the real upshot of this is? What does it cause to happen? It causes the United States to have to pay a higher interest rate to get people to come in and continue to invest. That's all That's all it really does. Think about it this way. When you have grade A credit and you go to buy a car, maybe you get it for 5%, 6% interest. Maybe less now. I, don't, I haven't financed a car in 10 years, so I don't know. But let's say it's it's 5%. Well, if I walk in there and my credit kind of sucks, I might, that's not I can't buy the car. If I have money, they'll let me buy the car, but they'll charge me maybe 11% or 12% interest. So the, the immediate effect of a reduction in the rating of the bonds is that the investor that just went to that auction we just talked about will pay less for the bond. Since they pay less for the bond, <clears throat> the rate effectively goes up. Because, again, the Treasury doesn't say we're currently paying 2% on bonds. They make the bonds available and say, <clears throat> this is a five-year bond. In five years, if you're holding this bond, we'll give you 100 U.S. dollars. And then the investors at auction say, we'll pay you $90 for that bond, or $98 for that bond, or $92 for that bond, or $105.50 for that bond, depending on the bond and what it does and how it matures and all these other things. So that's the big upshot. Now, what does that do? That raises rates. If the, if the government has to pay more for money, they have to loan it out more. For, but the printing presses are going to run anyway, and Bernanke's going to hold these rates low, the, the, the rate to the, you know, the discount rate to the lenders. You're not going to see interest rates rise in this country for the next two years. Not the interest rates in the banking system. And that's what people a lot of times don't understand. The Treasury bond interest rate and those yields there, they're not directly related to what you and I pay for money through the banks or what the banks pay the Fed for money. They're not the same thing at all. So what do I see out of all this? A guaranteed inflation... Increased yields in U.S. bonds, increasing cost of United States debt, and therefore the Fed will continue to monetize debt and buy even more of it. Why do you think they're doing it? They're getting it cheap. What does it mean for us? A brief inflationary cycle that creates a false recovery, that creates a crash on the other side. Just don't ask me what brief means. I'm, I'm telling you, everything I see is reinforcing the belief that I've had for so long. Um, I also have another thing here on silver, but this one's totally different, and this one's caused a lot of confusion out there. And it's basically, what the heck's going on with this silver short thing with J.P. Morgan and conspiracy theorists? Basically, this guy, I don't remember who his name is now, I, I, it, it's, it's in the back of my head somewhere, went on the Alex Jones show and said, hey, let's get everybody to buy an ounce of silver in America. If everybody buys an ounce of silver in America, all 300 million of us will put J.P. Morgan out of business. People were asking me, what do you think about it? I said, this guy's an idiot. He wants to sell silver. That's what I think about it. He wants to create a silver bubble if he can, and you know, maybe he had a little bit of an impact, but... As much listenership as Alex Jones has, Alex Jones pay, telling people to buy silver, and the, the modest size of that audience compared to the entire global economy, he's about as likely, likely to cause a silver bubble as I am. 
You know, I mean, seriously, it's just, it's, it's it, the, the number of people that listen to that show that actually have the money and go out and buy the silver are not enough to do this in of itself. So it was kind of an interesting little game. But the whole point was that J.P. Morgan was holding massive short contracts on silver, basically betting on silver to go down. They were holding options to sell silver for under its current value. Right, they hold, hold the silver's at 30, and I got the option to sell it for 25. The only way I make money is for the price to fall below that, and then the value of my option goes up because somebody else wants it for insurance, or I can execute the buy and sell at the guaranteed sell level. Right, that's complex. I've talked about it before, but just let it be. They had a whole bunch of short positions on silver. Well, what did they do? What did what did they do when they they looked at silver and said we don't think it's going to come down? Um, they they dumped a lot of their short positions. They dumped a ton of them, but they didn't reduce all of them. And this the guy's name is Max Kaiser, and again this uh, is on Zero Hedge this entry here, submitted by Tyler Durden. And you know here's my problem with Mr. Durden. He ends his commentary with the following: Lastly, this means that silver's about to really blast off as the push to really hurt J.P. Morgan takes off in earnest. Is though the people that bought into Max Kaiser's plan and Alex Jones's plan to buy a couple coins are really what caused J.P. Morgan to have to dump the silver position. And the reality is one has nothing to do with the other. J.P. Morgan was short on silver because they believed that silver was going to go down. It didn't go down. Some of their positions are getting close to a... Uh, see, any kind of short, any kind of option comes with a term. You have to exercise the option or you have to take a total bath on the option if you uh, if you hold it too long. So they're getting out of some of their positions is what they're doing because they bet wrong. And that's all I see here. I don't see anything more than this. This whole concept that silver is going to go through $100 an ounce because of this is ridiculous. It absolutely, if silver goes to $100 an ounce, it's because of the devaluation of the U.S. dollar. And it's because of the demand for it by investors. It's not because J.P. Morgan went short on it. And it's not because Max Kaiser told you to buy a coin. Please don't believe this kind of nonsense. I mean, seriously. You know, because what came on probably right after that radio segment? Hey, get your gold and silver from whoever, right? I mean, we, we really have to think about these things a little bit more rationally. I mean, just to put this in perspective for you, when we start looking at how much silver a person can own before it really starts to affect the market. Warren Buffett went on a buying spree with silver a few years ago. He bought 129 million ounces. And the short-term effect on the price of silver was negligible. There was more upward pressure on silver after his buy because other people saw him do it and copied him than his 129 million ounces cost. So when Max Kaiser says if every American buys an ounce of silver, what's that, 300 million ounces, a little more than double what, what Buffett bought several years ago, that had very little marked effect on the market. It, it doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make any sense at all. I try not to comment on this because I don't like to put other people down in our space and things like that, but but come on, we got to use our brains here. I have another question for you, though. Buffett's a smart guy. He's got billions of dollars Quite a lot of money in silver right now. Um, he could make a huge profit right now dumping that silver. What happens if he dumps that silver in the middle of this market? It's easier to push a commodity down than up. Just remember that. Just think when you're making your decisions with what to do. All right, next one. Okay, I got another question here. And let's get into the meat of some things. I want to kind of just talk to you to wrap this show up, the last 20 minutes of it. And uh, spend less time on the, the current events thing. And I mean, the reality is I got so much on gold and silver through this that it wasn't really the project that I wanted it to be. Um, I'd say 80% of the respondents were asking about gold and silver. That's why we talked about it so much. Here's a question that can kind of launch us off in another direction. Um, Nick sends me this question. He says, basically, what, why does it make sense to pay off debt if we're about to go into, high, go into inflation or hyperinflation? I got this, you know, he got a letter from a friend that basically was saying, why should I do this? Why shouldn't I just, why shouldn't I just hold the debt? If the money's going to become worth less, 
right? Then it will cost me less to pay off the debt. It's the same game the government plays. Go into debt, devalue the money, print more, pay off the debt with money that's worth less, that costs less, and therefore profit through debt. Well, that's great if you have a printing press. And here's the, 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 the shocking reality that I want you to come away with today. We live in an economic empire, not a democratic republic. I just put an article out about this on The Real Truth About Money, trtam.com. And here's, here's the problem with that theory. You, okay, you, down here with me, we're all in this together at the consumer level, do not have a digital printing press. You can't just make money out of thin air. And when inflation kicks in and rates go up, you have to pay more for the money you can get your hands on. Right? You're also ex expecting that in this tremendous inflationary period where things are changing left and right, that things financially will still continue to get better for you individually. So right now, for instance, they say there's no inflation. We all know it's a lie. There's been a lot of inflation in the last couple of years. We've seen it. We, when you go to the grocery store, you're paying more now than you did two years ago, period, unless you've cut your spending. But if you're buying the same stuff, you're paying more money. Everything is up. Little cartoon characters from Extra Normal, you know, said it perfectly with the, isn't the, the stocks cost more, the food costs more, the gas costs more. Everything costs more. Except maybe houses in some areas. Everything else costs more. Electricity, everything up. So there's inflation. How many people are benefiting from debt right now? How many people are benefiting from debt right now? How many people are being crushed by debt right now? Compare the two. So just because the money's, quote, cheaper for some people, if you lose your job in one of these economic tidal waves, that, that doesn't help you at all. Let me put it another way. Let me put it in a brass tacks, meet the roadway for you so that you can stop listening to the idiots, especially the financial advisors, who, who say stupid shit like, hey, it's good to be in debt when there's inflation. If there's inflation, everything costs more. Do you need more money when there's inflation? Or do you need less money when there's inflation? Why, you need more money. If you have debt, and you have to make payments on that debt on a monthly basis, at the end of the month, you have a greater surplus or a smaller surplus. Well, at the end of the month, you have a smaller surplus. So at a time, this is almost an extra normal thing, right? <laughs> at the time when you need more, debt makes you have less. So please tell me how debt really helps you during inflation. If you are flush with cash, if you have tons of money, if you're up at the upper levels of income and you have cheap access to money, For a time, it can work. But that's Keynesian economics, folks. The, the, the same person, the same person that says, we need to go back to gold. The gold standard, 100%. Keynesians are idiots. We need to be able to sound, honest money. Turns around and says, but I'm not going to do it. Right? I'm not going to do it. I'm going to play the fiat game, too. There's an incongruency there. You say one thing, but you do another. This is the same, the same thing. I gotta go back to gold on this again. People tell me, oh, we should be 100% gold. Do you have 100% of your money in gold? Well, no. Well, then why should the country? So here's what I want you to take away from all of this, all the voodoo, all the bullshit. What is the value of this nation? I want to have a shareholders meeting for the last 10, 15 minutes of the show today. This is a shareholders meeting. I'm your fellow shareholder in the United States of America. And I want to talk to all my other fellow shareholders out there. This is our nation. We own it. We are the people. We have a constitution that, that is basically our shareholders' agreement. It's how this company will run, how this nation will run. It's the instruction manual. Many of the people on our boards of directors and our CEOs of different divisions, we call them politicians, are ignoring our charter. They're ignoring... All the shareholders, and it's time for us to do something about it. But we have to look at something right now. What we're being told is that the company's going downhill, fellow shareholders. We, we have nothing left. 
We're in debt we can't pay. There's nothing we can do about it. And everything's dead. And we're just all going to have to go down and take a beating together and hope we figure out some way to restructure the company after bankruptcy. That's what we're being told. I want to tell you why I think it's bullshit. I want you to look out of your window wherever you are right now and realize that you have to go a long-ass way to get to the end of this country if you go the longest way from wherever you are to the opposite end of it. And there's a lot of stuff in between there. There's 300 million people, and some of them, some of them are not very good shareholders in the nation. They've become parasites on the company, and unfortunately, in this type of arrangement, we can't lay them off and get rid of them and fire them. We have to continue to drag them. But amongst them are a tremendous number over you know several hundred million people who are active members of the company that have workload and output capability and potential, and they're all basically self-sufficient. We don't pay them a direct salary. And they're standing on something called land, land that goes from sea to shining sea, from the Mexican desert to the Canadian plains. Everything in between those areas is ours. We own it. It's billions and trillions of acres. Alaska alone is bigger than any other state that we have. It's, it's, it's big enough to be its own nation. It's just one of our states. Under our ground, we have gas, coal, and oil. We have tremendous economic reserves underneath our soil. Despite the stupidity and the lunacy that's been done to our agricultural system, we are still the world leader in the production of food and grain and dairy. We have the ability to feed half the world if we really had to. Our corporation, economically, on the output side, is being run by a bunch of lunatics and fools. But the underlying value... We still have more wealth than any of our competitors. That wealth lies in you. That wealth lies in me. That wealth lies in the dirt beneath our feet. And it lies in the buildings that we work in. And that we do business in. It lies in the communication systems. It lies in everybody else in the world that turns to us and says, Hey, how do we get this done? It's in our children, and it's in our old people. There's an intrinsic worth to this nation that makes the gold in Fort Knox look like a blip on the radar. And if we're going to fix this country, on some levels we're going to have to take the people who have been stealing from it, and they have to lose. They don't just have to lose the short term, they have to lose permanently, and it has to cost them. You know, we owe a huge amount of debt to this thing called the Federal Reserve. A huge amount. Tremendous amount of money we owe these people. Billions. Trillions of dollars. Every time they want more money in the system, the Federal Reserve takes the bonds away from the bondholder. They go to England and buy some of the bonds back. They go to Japan and buy the Chinese and they buy some of the bonds back. They go to Goldman Sachs and buy the bonds back. Where does the Goldman Sachs get the bonds? They buy them from the market. All of the debt being held by the Federal Reserve, do you know what the Federal Reserve did to get it? They entered numbers into a computer. We don't have to default on our debt. We just have to default on our debt to the Federal Reserve. By disbanding it, sending it away, and sending it packing. And then we need to replace our currency... Our stock certificates. Please understand that, fellow shareholders. When you look at a dollar right now, you're looking at one share in the corporation that is the United States of America. And unfortunately, right now, that one share isn't worth the paper that it's printed on. But yet, we have all this underlying value in our nation. So what if, fellow shareholders, we said, you know what, this is our company, we're taking it back. And we said to these idiots, these yahoos up in Washington, we're going to make you responsible. You're the CEO, you know, governor of Washington State. You're the CEO of the Washington division. You're going to start earning a profit. And we're going to make our stock worth something again. And you're going to stop giving away all of your profits to these lunatics that are your buddies to put you in power. We know that they got you in, but they're out. And if you want to stay in, you're going to play ball with us. We said the same thing to the governor of Florida, Texas, New Mexico, all the states. 
all our congressmen, all our senators, both at the state level and the national level. You guys are going to be responsible for our stock. You're not going to defer responsibility to these thieves. They're gone. They're out. And we return the United States to a public currency. See, that's the real solution, folks. It doesn't matter if it's backed by gold or redwoods. And you guys that are completely convinced that if we were just backed by gold, everything would be okay, let me give you, as your fellow shareholder, the other side of the coin. We just go back to a gold standard. But we keep the Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve backs the initial monetary base for us with gold. And then they put it into the fractional reserve banking system. And then what do they do? They multiply it tenfold. So there's only a 10% underpinning of gold at the best case scenario. But now, what else are they going to do? Do you think they'll let gold against the U.S. dollar float as a fair market value? Hell no. They'll artificially weaken the dollar against the gold so that they can make more dollars versus gold. And they won't tell you they've done it. They'll hide it from you because they don't have to disclose what they're doing. As long as we have a private control of our public company, we have a problem, shareholders. A big problem. I want you to think about what I just said. We are a public company, in essence, public nation. We have a very complex structure. We're a very large company. We're made with the biggest company in the world, made up of 300 million people. Some productive, some non-productive. But the people that run our divisions and our, our, our different portions of our companies and our, our conglomerates, they're elected because this is a public company. And every shareholder gets a vote. Whether they choose to vote or not, they have one. But yet our stock and our finances are controlled by a group of private people that we do not have the ability to make tell us what they've done fully, to make them disclose what they're doing fully. And the entire public trust in our stock is controlled by people that we can't see or control or get rid of or fire unless we fire the whole entity. So changing how they make the money won't change the fact that they can do whatever they want with it once it's made. Your real problem, folks, is that as a, as a shareholder in this company, your access to stock should be the same access to stock that anybody else has. One dollar should cost you one dollar. One dollar doesn't cost you one dollar, though. One dollar will cost you anywhere from a dollar and two cents to a dollar and twenty-nine cents right now because you're at the consumer level. Where the people at the elite layer, the people that are keeping these clowns in charge, the people we do have access to, that we do control, well, they can get the dollar for a dollar. Or at most for maybe a dollar and a penny. They can buy the stock for less than you. And then they can force you to buy it from them at a profit. Gold and silver can't fix that for us. It's up to us to take control of this nation. And once we do, once we take this nation back by taking control of its money, please understand that. We are not a public nation. We are not sovereign people, and we are not a sovereign nation if we don't control our money. And right now we don't. We do not control our money. So once we take control of that money, what form should that money take? What form should those stock certificates take? It's up to us to decide as a collective, to vote on it as shareholders. But let me make my case to you now for why we don't go 100% backing our stock certificates with nothing but gold. There's only so much gold in the world, and we would have to go out and buy massive amounts of gold. There's nowhere near left enough gold in Fort Knox, whatever is left, because we don't know, they won't tell us. It hasn't been audited for over 25 years. Whatever is there. Even if as much as was there 25 years ago is still there, it's not enough to back even a small portion of our current stock certificates. And the, the total number of certificates is not that out of whack if we get rid of all of the ones that are being held by that poison agency we call the Federal Reserve. If we deflate those, we have a pretty decent ratio right now. See, because they only take the top. That's how they work. 
So we would have to, so the only thing we would then be able to do is say, well, we have only so much gold, so much dollars. So then our stock certificates are going to be one, you know, uh, uh, 10,000 certificates for one ounce of gold. Well, that doesn't make sense because remember the wealth that we have. Our energy output. Our agricultural output. Our economic base. The people, your fellow shareholders, what is their value? What is the value of our nation? What is the total value of this nation's real estate holdings alone? What is the total value of our coastal inland waterways? What is the total value of our ability to, to, to fish, to harvest, to produce cattle? All of these things have value. And our stock should be based on the company's value. So I submit to you, that we get rid of these clowns, we put in a valuation formula based on the value and the output of the nation, and we cap our stock based on the stock's actual value. That just seems to make sense to me. Now as I finish up, let me make my final statement. We're not going to do that anytime soon. These guys are in deep control, and there's only a few of us in the company now that want to throw their asses out. And we need not just a majority, but a significant majority of our fellow shareholders to get this stuff done. And even then, they will not go down without a fight. So we can argue about what it will look like after the deed is done, if we get the deed done. For now, we must each take care of ourselves. I want you to understand something. As a shareholder, you don't just have an ownership in this company. You actually have leadership in some small portion of it. You have what you own and what you control and what you manage. And I submit to you that you need to be very careful about the way that you're managing your little piece of it right now. You need to value what you have more than you have at any other time in history. And you need to do smart things to make sure that your little division of Corporation USA is self-sufficient. Because you can no longer depend on the rest of the company to pull your weight for you. Or to even not... You know what? They're going to suck what we have. It's not even about pulling our own weight. We have to pull our own weight plus their weight for right now. So we need surplus. We need to go into, on some level, a survival mode for our individual divisions. We need to make sure that we are flush with cash. And that we have reserves. We need to have real estate reserves. We need to have land. Every one of us needs to have a little plot of land. And we need to make it produce for our division's consumption. Food. And we need to have precious metals too. The gold people aren't crazy. They're just eccentric. But that gold has value. That silver has value. Every one of us in our own little vault, inside our own little division, needs to have some portion of our wealth held in metal reserves. We all need some way to make sure that we're going to be able to continue to have the energy that we need. So we have to provide that for ourselves. We must feed, clothe, shelter ourselves. We must be autonomous little divisions within this disaster until such time as enough of us exist to fix the problem, to vote out the board of directors, to overthrow the CEO. We can't do it now, and we have to survive until there's enough of us to do so. And to survive, we're not going to be able to do it alone, even though I talk about being very independent with your little division right now. You're going to have to go a little bit beyond that. You're going to have to reach out to your fellow division leaders. And you're going to have to work with each other. And you're going to have to start to build community with each other. And you're going to have to start creating your own conglomerations of divisions. And your own splinter units and breakaway units of this company. Because two of you together are stronger than two of you apart. Some of you will look across the fence and see your fellow division owner. And you will work with them by handing a basket of tomatoes across a fence to get a basket of peppers. And some of you will go to larger degrees and exchange gold, silver, and copper for the commodities that you need outside of the current stock certificate system so that we can weaken it sufficiently and make it vulnerable to our will. Because it is ours, after all. We should be able to do what we want to with it, not be told by it what we must do. But this will all come down to you and me deciding that we have had enough of this shit and taking control of our own little piece of this company 
and running it our way and working together with that independent spirit to get rid of a toxic CEO, a toxic board of directors, and a toxic group of 50 division heads that all have to go. But it may be our children that inherit our division from us. It may be our grandchildren that inherit that division from us that finally win that fight. Between now and then, we have to keep our individual profit centers working, running, and profitable. What do you think about that? Does anybody ever put it to you that way? I hope that gives you a new understanding of where we're really at and what this is really about. This is not a game. And this is not a gimmick. And this is not about some kind of little scam that's going to make somebody else broke. This is about absolute, total, complete belief that you have enough value to value yourself enough to stand up and do what's necessary for yourself. And an understanding that if you don't, no one else will. So this show didn't turn out the way that I originally intended, but I think it turned out better. I want you to think about these things as you go forward. And every time someone comes on the TV and tries to use fear to get you to give them your worthless money to buy another ounce of their worth, you know, highly valuable gold, I want you to think about their motivation. I want you to understand there's a place for what they're selling, but they're overselling it because they want to be diversified, even if it means that you're unified in one investment. I want you to realize that no matter what we disagree about politically, that the one thing we should be able to agree about is that everything that we have right now isn't working. That this is not the way things are supposed to be. That we the people do not have the voice that we're supposed to have. That we don't have control. Maybe we need to focus a little bit for a while on regaining control before we worry about what, with what we're going to do with that control. And maybe we all need to get a little bit more educated into the way things actually work. And maybe we all need to start playing this game the way that they are. This is a game of three-dimensional chess. You'll need to study your opponent. You'll need to learn his gambits. Those are his unexpected opening moves and what traps they lead to. And you'll have to play the game at a higher level. If you keep playing checkers when your opponent is playing chess you're going to get killed and your little division is going to get absorbed into the conglomerate this fight for survival is more than just waking up breathing tomorrow it's a fight to retain what we have as individuals and not be assimilated into a, a mindless collective bent on self-destruction and with that, this has been Jack Spirico with another episode of the Survival Podcast, helping you figure out how to live that better life if times get tough, or even if they don't.
revolution 